theirs and what he wants to do. And, and so we go. This is our house out here that we live in uh, full time. The Lord's led me. That's where we live. We don't have another house. And um, we do that because we can, we're able to work with these uh, ministries in these small towns. My heart's in the West. We do some stuff. I'm working with a church in, in Northwest Ohio right now and, and uh, trying to pretty sad when some of these guys that God's used for 50 years that, I mean, some of the greatest people, nobody knows them, but they're going to be in the front of the line in heaven someday. And, but nobody knows them and nobody, they don't, you know, they don't have the help and different things that many people have. And they, there's a man that's, that's had a tremendous impact in my life who pastors in a town that I went to elementary school in, but I never knew him until after there's, uh, I got into church. I grew up Catholic, and but I got saved when I was 12. But, you know, he's done so much, and now they literally are about to cancel his insurance on his building because and on his house or on the, the parsonage because it's in such disrepair. But he works full-time, nursing home. His wife's battling cancer. And he keeps preaching, he keeps going and talking to people. His wife had a cancer treatment the other day, and I called him about something. And he was on his way after the cancer treatment. And his wife wanted to as well to visit somebody that, they, that hasn't even been in church for months that's in the hospital with a heart attack. That's the type of man and how selfless he is. But just needs help. So we'll do just anything to help, anything from preaching. I try to, we've, the many trips, people go out east and out west and, and try to preach revivals and things to try to get people to come out here and to help and to get busy. You know what? Missions is not just giving money. If you look at true biblical missions, missions is that, that we go. What can we do in, in a few weeks? If, if 10%, if 20, 30% of our churches in America would, would take a couple weeks and go somewhere in America or somewhere overseas to help and do different things, we could reach the world like that. But, you know, we, we, we don't do that. I just met some new friends, brother. There, there's uh, been friends of Brother Mike's for a while, and it was an answer to my prayer because I got into more uh, than God said, I'm going to stretch you a little bit. And he, God sent me just some good old-fashioned People from Kansas, good old farmers. I grew up on a farm. I sold my family farm eight years ago when God told me to, when he called me into ministry full time. But you know, they said, this is our vacation. Spent two weeks in Nebraska helping us on three work projects, helping us with a VBS and a revival, a tent revival, and, and starting a church on a reservation that has no church of any kind in Nebraska. And we could go on and on and on and on and on and on the needs. But it's not about the need. It's about, you know, what, if we can die to ourselves, what does God want us to do? We're comfortable. We want to sit. You know what? If we didn't have padded seats, you know, that little church in Grover Hill, Ohio, they still have wood pews. Sometimes I like to go back there and sit in those wood pews and just hear from God. 
God's in that place so much. Just some older folks. But God is there. More so than many other churches across this country. But you know, I just want to see God change the church. Because we'll not see America change. I was an infantry soldier in the army. You know, there's, I was willing to die for this country. But you know what? That's nothing. That's really nothing at the end of the day. Because it's a whole lot bigger cause to serve our Savior and to die to ourselves for Him. But we will not do that if we don't do what I'm going to preach about tonight. And it's honestly, Brother, Brother Gary, it's the very first thing that this morning in the Sunday school, in his message, that David told Solomon. Do you remember what that was? The very first thing that Solomon, or that David told Solomon to do, to know the Lord thy God, to know him, to truly know him. If you would turn with me in your Bibles to Philippians, Philippians chapter 3, Philippians chapter 3, while you're turning there, I want to read something. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 1, but I want to read something. Listen to this while you're going there. A.W. Tozer wrote this in his uh, book, The Attributes of God. The Lord led me a number of years ago. I don't read many, I read very few books after men that are alive. We need to change. I need to change. We as the church, as Christians, need to change. But you know what? If we're going to see something change, something's got to change. It does. We don't know what we don't know. But he, he says this in his book about God being infinite. If God had love but didn't have all the love, just 99 and 9 tenth percent of the love or even a higher percentage, God still would, wouldn't be God. God to be God must be infinite in all that he is. He must have no bound and no limit, no stopping place, no point beyond which he can't go. When you think of God or anything about God, you'll have to think infinitely about him. That's our problem. We, we are the God that we serve is way too small. We're only going to get to the place and trust as big as we see God is. But look at, and it says this. He says, this is a mighty good cure for this little cheap God, little G God we have today. The little cheap God we've made up is one you can pal around with. The man upstairs, the fellow who helps you win baseball games, that little G God isn't the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He isn't the God who laid the foundation of the heaven and the earth. He's some other little G God. We educated Americans can create little G gods just as same as the heathens can. You can make a little G God out of silver, wood, or stone, or watch this, you can make it out of your own imagination. You can make it out of your own imagination. And the little G God that's being worshipped in many places is simply a God of imagination. It's not the true God. He's not the infinite, perfect, all-knowing, all-wise, all-loving, infinitely boundless, perfect God. He's something short of that. Christianity is decaying and going down into the gutter 
Because the little g God of modern Christianity is not the God of the Bible. Think about that. It's not the little g. He's not the God of the Bible. Think about all the different stories. They're true stories in the Bible of what God did with men. So if God was the same yesterday, today, and forever, can he not do that? Yes, he can. That's my God. That's my God. But you know what? We have to know him first. Look here in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 1. Joy, can you get me something to drink, please? Please. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 1, the Bible says, I'm going to read this to put it into context, but we're going to get down here to verse 10. Paul says, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same thing to you, to me indeed is not grievous, Paul says. But for you, it is safe. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of conscience, for we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Have no confidence in the flesh. That's opposite of where we are today. That's opposite of where Christianity and everything has come. Thank you. We have way too much confidence in the flesh. There's nothing I can do or say tonight that can be honoring to God in my flesh. Nothing. See if I can keep from kicking this on the Pastor Monday here. There's, uh, there's. But look at this in verse four. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, which we all do more than we'll admit. If any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. Yeah, I more. I trust in the flesh way too much. Circumcised the eighth day. Of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, he's talking about himself, Paul is. And a Hebrew of Hebrews is touching the law of Pharisee, he said, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteous, which is in the, the law, blameless. But look in verse 7. But what things were gained to me? But what things were gained to me, Paul says, those I counted loss. For Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I counted all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, Paul says, and do count them but dung. I don't count them any of the things that I've lost. I count them but dung. Nothing in this life is going to be worth anything someday. This life is but a vapor. Anybody that's has any age at all, knows how fast this life goes. And you know, the other day I just, actually, God gave me this message on the reservation the other week, and I, I took, there, there was another message that I was preaching about trying to get them to understand the difference, preaching on eternity. You know, in, in hairspray, I had a thing of hairspray and just, I wasted Mrs. Sink. I wasted half of her thing of hairspray. And just, 
It's there. That's our life. Everything else is eternal. That little bit of time. And if we think about that, and you've heard that in different things before, but look, here, there, there's, and we think about all these things and what we put, like the brother that was given, there, there's the testimony in, in our life, and in, in that what our kids want to, what is our kids going to remember us for? You know what? I hope my kids don't remember me. I hope my younger two, or my older two, don't remember me for the 25 years. My oldest son, praise God, that is learning to be a missionary pilot. But you know what? There was a time when he never saw me. Because I had a business traveling all over the country, designing and building equipment for companies, multi-billion dollar companies, had 65 employees, and I, was, I, I worked 100 hours a week. I barely slept, and I definitely didn't see my kids and barely saw my wife. But I don't want my kids to remember that. I want my kids to remember all the amazing things that they saw God do. Not because of me, but because of him and how amazing he is. And that is the only reason that young man wants to go and serve God. It's not because of me. It's because he saw God as real. And he knows God and he wants to be pleasing to him. But you see, here, Paul, that's why Paul, we, we think such a, like, Paul did great things for God. Why? Right here. He died to himself. And that I may win Christ, in verse 9 it says, and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Look here in verse 10. This is where I'm going to preach from. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for who you are. Father, may you help us all to understand a little bit more day by day who you are. Father, show yourself real to us. Father, we thank you that we can come before you and that you want to hear from us a whole lot more then, if we're honest, we want to talk to you. Father, forgive us. Father, I pray that you would bind Satan by the blood of Jesus. Take away all distractions. Father, you know why you want this message. Father, it's your message. I'm just the messenger. I just ask that, Father, you would do what only you can do. And, Father, that you would glorify yourself. Father, help me, please. I need you. We all do if we're honest. We ask all this in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. What is truly knowing something or someone? You ever had somebody that you truly thought you knew, but then you found out you really just didn't know them as well as you thought you did? We can all say that. But you know what? I think if we're honest, and we knew what God knows. We don't know God near as much as we think we do. And you know what? Are we satisfied with how much we know God? How much we know Him? What, what is knowing? What is truly knowing something or someone? You see there in verse 10 
of Philippians, it says, Paul says, that I may know him. The very first thing that there's that David told to Solomon, or that he wanted Solomon to know of those three things that he preached about this morning. The very first one is that Solomon would know God. That he would truly know him, not about him. Knowing the word know, and if you look at this, it's actually, uh, if you study that out in, in the, the Greek, it's also the word perceive many times in the Bible. Know and perceive. And it's to perceive with certainty. I know that 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 I'm saved. I know that I'm saved. No one can talk me out of it. You know what? There, there's Satan may put a doubt there or send something there, but then it's like, I know that. I know we know certain things to understand clearly. There, there's to know a thing, three, includes all doubts or uncertainty of its existence. We know what we see with our eyes, right? Or perceive by other senses. We know the, that fire and water are different substances. Well, we know that. We can see that. We know that truth and falsehood express ideas incompatible with each other. We know that a circle is not a square, but yet we'll still try to shove a square peg through a round hole. Right? We're fleshly human beings. We, we try to do too much in our flesh, in ourself. We do not know the truth of reports. Can anybody tell what's true and false? in the news or anything like that anymore? We don't know that. I mean, right? We can try to figure that out. But you know what? One of the greatest things I'll never forget is preaching to a bunch of teenagers, a bunch of troubled teenagers, girls. And the Lord led me to say, what is truth? And they looked at me like, what? I don't know. They did. It was, it was the craziest thing. What is truth? anymore the bible's truth i mean what what do we have to stand on we have to stand on the bible but we we also have a god that he wants to know us and he wants to talk to us a whole lot more than we want to know him and a whole lot more than we want to talk to him let's be honest and in too much that's me and this preacher i just try to be real with you tonight let's be honest if we can't start be real, if we can't start being honest, and we can't start being honest in church, we talk about, oh, I don't want to lie in church. Well, you shouldn't lie out there. We should be real out there. You know what? That lost and dying world doesn't want nothing to do with church because we, as the church, have brought reproach on the church. And it starts with the man behind the pulpit, even this man, unfortunately, sometimes. Let's be honest. But do we want to know God? But so what is? When you know something deep down, deep down, something that you know that's going to change the way you act, it means that you understand it on a very fundamental level. You don't just know the facts about it. You don't just know the facts about it. There's a lot of people that know this Bible. I've talked to them 
you know, many people in, in, in other, re- other religions, other different things, and, you know, they, they know the Bible, but they don't know my God. They don't know my God. They don't know God. They know the facts about God. And we have to be careful. We have to be careful. And, you know, you say, well, what, how, how did you come to this? How, did there, there's, how, how does Paul and, and different things? But, you know, I've asked God. God, what needs to change? What needs to change in me? I can't ask God about what needs to change in the church or other churches or, or what I see without looking in the mirror first. We want to say that we want revival. We sing revive us again. We could all sing that without the words and all these different things. But what are we doing to honestly change? Do we, do we, will we look in the mirror? Would you stand up and say, I need to change? Your flesh surely doesn't want to. And that's the default way. How much do we do in the name of Christ? And how much do we do that there's that is supposed to be spiritual in the flesh? How much? Brother Benji and I was talking this afternoon about when Paul was talking to the church at Corinth and talking about all the things that they do that it, that's carnal. That's pretty much where we are today in the church. You know what? If we do read our Bible, is it just to check off a box? Can I say, because I've seen both sides, that I see a whole lot more tradition and a whole lot more uh, carnality or in tradition and different things? I see a lot more similarity than I'd like to see between the Catholic Church and the Baptist Church, unfortunately. Not in doctrine, but in action. So then how am I supposed to reach those people? How are they going to want what I have? How are they going to want the the truth? How how am I going to explain to them that that the truth is here? But if I know him in a greater way, because the more I get to know him, the more light that I shine upon my own life, the more I see the darkness in my heart and the more I see that I need to get a whole lot closer to Him and that I'm a whole lot farther away from Him than, I'll, than I like to admit. The greatest thing I've learned in my life, hands down, in almost 46 years of living in this, on this earth, is... The closer I get to God, the more I realize how far away I really am. Honestly. But you see, we've got to know him. That's why he says, why would you think David would tell Solomon the first thing that he wants him is to know God? And we just, oh, no, God, yeah, yeah, I know him. I know, you know, we, we live in a, in a time of Facebook and all this other kind of stuff. I know that person. I know this preacher. I know this friend, and I've got all these friends, and I know these people. You don't really know them. How many people in your life do you really know? How many? I mean, do you even really know your wife? I've been married be almost 21 years. And I know my wife fairly well. But I, I don't, the Bible tells us who knows the heart of man but God. How much do you really know him? 
people that's closest to you? How much does somebody know you? Do they know the thoughts that come into your head? Do you want everybody to know all the thoughts that come into your head, even today? No. Think about that. But look at this. In Philippians 3 and verse 9. And be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, Paul says. Not my own righteousness. Not doing it in the flesh. Not doing it. Because you know what? We can't do enough. The Bible says, in our flesh dwelleth no good thing. Our flesh is enmity against God. It's an enemy of my God. Do you love God enough? Does that bother you at all? That if you're doing it in the flesh, that that's an enemy? Your flesh is an enemy of God. Look, he loves you. That should break our heart. It doesn't break my heart enough as as much as what it should. But how do we get to truly know God? To know God, like know him more than anybody else. Is an idol not something that anything that we put before God? So would it be fair to say anything that you know better than God? So if if I have a desire to know my wife or I have a desire to know anybody else, in a greater way than God Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, the one that spoke the world into existence, the one that created me, the one that knows the end from the beginning. How do we truly get to know God? Turn with me to John chapter 17. John chapter 17. John chapter 17, how do we truly get to know God? Number one, we have to accept him. If we don't have the Holy Spirit of God inside of us, John 17 and verse 2, this is Jesus speaking. He says, as thou have given him power over all flesh. So remember, this is Jesus speaking. As thou has given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou have given him. And this is eternal life that they might know thee, the only true God in Jesus whom thou hast sent. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do, Jesus says. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. We must accept him. We must accept the gift. We must accept Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross for us by faith. None of us saw it. We must accept that gift that we have, that we become the temple of the Holy Spirit, that, you know what, we can't be guided by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, as the Bible says, is the, is the best teacher. You know, we can take everything and we can go all to the things and, and go to all the different things to learn, but the best teacher in the whole wide world that could ever be or will ever be is the Holy Spirit of God that's going to teach us things. But yet we want to go to man so much more than we want to go to God. And he tells us to do everything but that. But look, we must accept him. So if we truly want to know God, we must accept him first. Number two, Turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 29. Number two, we must seek him. We must seek him. 
Jeremiah 29 and verse 11. We'll just go here. We must seek him with all. You must seek him with all of your heart. Seek him with all of your heart. We, he says to us, seek and we shall find. But seek with all of our heart, not just a little thing. If there's something that means a lot to us in our life, that we're going to go after it. We're gonna, there's nothing going to stop us. There's nobody or nothing that's going to stop us. We're going to seek, seek, and we're going to go until we can get it. There, there's with fervency, Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you saith the Lord. Think about that. That God Almighty says, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you. If that doesn't help you, I don't know what can. To think that God Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, that he says, I know the thoughts that I thinketh toward you. That's a blessing. That's an encouragement. It should be a tremendous encouragement. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. To give you an expected end. Then shall ye call upon me. That's our problem. We want to do it ourselves. And ye shall go and pray unto me. No, we just want to try to do it ourselves. And I will hearken unto you. I'll hearken unto you. Just ask, how much do we try to do in our life? That, that, and we just... We just need to ask him. We just need to let God. God's up there saying, I want to use you. I want to show myself real. I want to glorify myself. I want this world to know that there's a God in heaven, but I want to use you. But no one will get out of the way and let me because you don't truly know the true and living God. That's what it is. You know what? If we truly knew God the way we should, We'd get out of the way and let him because we'd trust him in a way people would think we're nuts. You know what? Maybe I'm nuts. Some people think I'm nuts, but praise God. You know what? When you sell everything, when you're making six digits, when you're making a lot of money, and it's like your life is perfect, you go back and ask some people in Northwest Ohio, they'll, they'll tell you, Mike Fiedler's crazy. They, they still think that. Now, some of them come to the Lord because it's been long enough, praise God. But you know what? We need to know him. But look at this in verse 13, Jeremiah 29, 13. And ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me with all of your heart. You know what? He knows. He looketh upon the heart. He knows when we're just going through the motions. He knows. He knows why you came here tonight. He does. How many of us go to church just to make ourselves feel better about ourselves or for someone else? You know what? That's what we used to do in the Catholic Church. But as you come here tonight to worship God, be encouraged to know him in a little bit greater way. Not necessarily know about him, but know him. You know what I've, I've, I've really learned and God's shown me? That if I'll do this 
that if I'll focus on knowing him and being closer to God, everything else takes care of itself. Everything else. We worry so much about, well, I'm supposed to do this, or I'm not supposed to do this, or I'm supposed to wear this, or I'm not supposed to wear that, or this and that, and you're supposed to do this and not this, and all these different things. But we're getting the cart before the horse. The horse is knowing the Lord thy God with all thine heart and loving him. And because, you know what, we've got to love him and want to know him in a greater way. Or we're just doing it ourselves. We can't do it. And we do it and we try and we try and we try. We get burnt out and we get discouraged and all these different things. Because we don't know him the way we should in the way that he wants us to know him. See, he wants us that way. He loves us more than we can comprehend. We don't even understand what love is. And the the sooner you really accept that in your heart, you know, God just recently, I, I pray to God sometimes when I'm praying to him, God, I love you with all of my heart, with all of my mind, and all of my soul, and all of my strength. And then I one day, the Holy Spirit of God said, you don't really know what love is. And I'm like, Lord, I love you all the way that I know how to because I don't really know what true love is. We'll get to that in a second. But we have to seek him with all of your heart. That's how you truly get to know him because you know what? That's all he wants. He wants you to first accept him. And secondly, he wants you to seek him with all your heart. In fact, that's all I need. And thirdly, he wants us As Paul, the context of this verse. Look with me in Jeremiah chapter 9, just back 20 chapters in Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 9. Jeremiah chapter 9 and verse 23. So in order... To get to truly know God, we must accept Him, seek Him with all of our heart, and die to ourself. Jeremiah 9, 23, the Bible says, Thus saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, not the wise man. Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. But don't we want to glory in our wisdom? I want to glory in my wisdom too much. Look at me. Look at what I've done. You know, the greatest thing in the whole life that happened to me is to go at 38 years old when people in Northwest Ohio thought I was somebody. I was good in my field and and across the country. And I'll tell you this, to tell you that I'm nobody and that to help you, I was named one of the top businessmen in the state of Ohio uh, under the age of 40. I don't tell you that because you think anything of me but because it doesn't matter. I burnt that plaque because I didn't ever want to look at it again. Because you know what? I'm nothing but a sinner that saved by grace. And there's none of those things or what anybody of those people think anything of me that really matters when it comes to the kingdom of God. I burnt all of my sports trophies. I burnt all of my... uh, horse showing trophies, all of my cattle showing trophies, because you know what? 
All that is is a bunch of plastic that I spent entirely too much time, entirely too much money on. But you know what? I was going after trying to prove my wisdom and my or something about me and that people would think good of me. But I need to die to myself so that people can see him through me. Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches. Don't we glory? Don't we want to glory in the very things that God gave us as strengths? Look at me. We want to do that. Oh, or the other side. Oh, I could never serve God. I'm not good at anything. You know what? Trying. What about David's mighty men? None of them were anything. But God made them everything. Because they believed God. They knew him. They got to know him in an intimate way. But look at this in verse 24. But let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me, that I am the Lord, which exercise loving kindness, judgment and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, saith the Lord. We must die to ourselves. We can't, it's not about us. You know what? When somebody does something bad to us, you know what? That's an opportunity to shine the light of Christ. That we can love our enemies. We can love our neighbors as ourselves. If you've got that figured out, come see me. I want to talk to you. Because I don't know my God enough to love my enemies and to love my neighbor as myself. And they're entirely too selfish. But you know what? We can sit here and we can go and play church and we can do all these things. And look, I'm preaching. This is a good church. I appreciate your pastor very much. But you know what? I'm so far from where I need to be. I need a lost and dying world to see something different that they could see the light of Christ through me even in this dark, dark world. But you see, what happens when you truly know the true and living God of the Bible, like I read about before? The true and living God, not this little G God that we've made up in our minds. Let's be honest, that was convicting when I first read that. Romans 12, 1, you know what? When we truly know the true and living God, a change happens. The renewing of our mind. Romans 12, 1 says, you, many of you know this. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, Paul's saying, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. See, it just happens. We change the way we think because we know Him and our perspective changes See, everything's a perspective problem. When You know, we can sit here and, and compare ourselves among ourselves, which the Bible says, my Bible says, is not wise. We can fear man, which the Bible says is a snare. It's a trap. Or we can get, have a desire to know him. And we can change, we can renew our mind. 
And we can literally, in verse, in verse 2 it says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed, changed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God, that you may prove that, that you not just say it in your mouth and you just lip service and all these things. Look, we don't want that, nor does any of them want that. And God surely doesn't want that. But you know what? Or we can just try in our flesh to do all of that stuff. We can just try in our flesh to do all that stuff, or we can just have a desire to know him, to get closer to him. He says, okay. And we go ahead. He takes care of it. He takes care of it. That's what Paul said. Why do you think God used Paul in such a big way? Because Paul was just this great spiritual man? No, that's not what he says. For sake of time, we can't even, we could go and look at all that. That's not what Paul says at all. He says, I'm the chiefest sinner. It's called humility and understanding and accepting and knowing a little bit more where my heart is and that it's not where it should be. And that comes from knowing the true and living God. And the other thing, what happens when you truly know the true and living God of the Bible, and I close with this. You love one another. See, oh, yeah, that's simple. Well, not so much. First John, turn with me there and I close with this. You love one another. First John 4, 7. First John 4, 7, if you would, or you can just listen to this. Sometimes it's better. Some people, I, I just, I do better if I just listen and, and, and try to truly get it. First John 4, 7 says, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God. We want to make fun of all the evangelicals and all that different thing because it's all about love. Yeah, well, you know what? It is all about love, but they're forgetting some of the other stuff. But we are so scared to be like them that we're like, we just come, we're just a mean Baptist. When our God is love. And if we truly get there, beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. And knoweth God. Knoweth Him. That I may know Him. Can you love your enemies? Do people hurt you? How do you react? In love? I do more than I used to. Most of the time I don't want to. I do because I know I want to be pleasing to God. And if I don't, I get right with God. Do you see how that works? We have a desire to get right with God. We have a desire to know God in a greater way. And we have a repentant heart because we want to be pleasing to God. And we want to know Him more. What do you think David was the way he was? Why do you think he told his son, number one, Solomon, I want you to know God. I had no idea that he was going to do that, that he was going to preach that, or how it was going to go, but I knew this is what God wanted me to preach before he ever got up. You know what? It doesn't happen by accident. It, ha it happens because we have a desire to know God and to be closer to him because we understand that we can't. We can't. 
we can try and we can make it look and some people can speak. But in our flesh, we cannot. Do you truly want to know the God of the Bible? Do you truly want to know the true and living God? God knows. He knows the truth. Have you accepted his gift by faith? Let's pray. Let's stand heads bowed and eyes closed. Heads bowed and eyes closed. I'm going to pray. The Lord's dealing with you. The altar's open or you can use your seat as the altar. Pray. Father, thank you for who you are. And that, Father, that you want to know us. You want us to know you more than we truly want to know you, unfortunately. Forgive us. Help us, Lord. Father, I pray that you would do what only you can do. I pray that if there's anyone here lost that doesn't truly know you as their Lord and Savior, that, Father, you'd give them courage. You would draw them to yourself. Father, let them come and ask somebody. Let them come to Brother Monday. Let them come to somebody else. Father, maybe they know what they need to do. Father, just help them to cry out to you. Father, help them to let go of themselves. Father, as we all need to in other ways than salvation. But Father, please help us. Show us. Holy Spirit, help us. Show us where we need to change that this world and other Christians could see something different if they could see you in us. Please help us. Help me, Lord. Do what only you can do. We ask all this in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. As the music